Welcome to part two of the season review with me and the guru. We finished off by talking about South Sydney. Now we're going to be starting to talk about the Manly Seagulls. Sit back and enjoy. The ball comes back to Stewart. They float across the line. It comes to Linda. Back inside it comes to Lyons. He's away from one tackle. Then the ball back to Stewart. They've got an overlap. Stewart's gone straight through. He comes to halfway. Where are the wingers? He's up over halfway. He's looking for Reading Howard. He's still going, Stewart. He gave it to Maniga. The next side I want to talk about here is the Manly Seagulls. I've given them a B plus. Um, their season with Tom Trevojevic was really good, but the start of their season without Tom, Tr- Tom Trevojevic, that does leave a few questions for me. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, a few ways to look at this Manly season. Um, I, I understand you're giving them a, a B plus, uh, but it's sort of it's one of those competitions this year where there is such a divide from you know team six to team seven. It's not even funny. Like there's a gaping hole between those football sides. It really was a competition for the top teams this year. Uh, Manly beat up on all the bottom teams. Um, I think they beat Parramatta earlier in the season. Uh, that was the only time they beat a team that was higher than them on the ladder. And obviously, when we got to the end of the season, they didn't beat a single team um, that was in the top four. So a bit worrying for Manly. Uh, I mean, it's got to rattle them how they went into that final series. They went, well, one and two. Uh, the two games they got beat in, they got absolutely flogged in. They beat a Roosters team who was walking wounded, missing a heap of troops. Uh, so, it's yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what to make of this Manly side. They also had the greatest individual season by a player of all time, um, and they still didn't manage to beat a top four team all year. So, I have no doubt that they will play finals footy next year if Turbo plays. 15 plus games, but yeah, I, I don't quite know how to get a read on this manly side, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, look, um, it could be a similar season from them next season. And that, and as you say, that is if Tom Trevojevic plays his, some of his best footy, which he definitely did. And he was definitely the best player in the comp this season. Uh, even with Nathan Cleary, I think that Tom Trevojevic definitely gets the best player in the comp this season. Um, They've got Ethan Bullymore coming into the club, which I personally really like. I think just watching him at Brisbane, he's actually what you want in a modern-day side. That, that Not as big uh, forward, but more versatile um, and a bit more speed in a front row. I think that will really suit um, Manly really well, especially because when they're on the front foot, it is just such a high-paced game for the Manly Seagulls. Uh, and I think Ethan Bullymore would definitely suit them really well. Uh, yeah, for for me, Bullimore is a good fit because you want you want different body shapes in your front row, and and by that I mean you know you've got Paseca who's sort of a tall, lankier sort of body. You've got a guy like Martin Tapao who's just brute force muscle. Josh Allier, he's sort of the in between guy between those fellas. Sean Kepe also a similar sort of mold. There, you're more stock standard sort of guys, uh, and then you have got Bullimore who. He's a little bit smaller, but his leg speed is incredible. And this is where having an attacking nine would be just so helpful for Manly. They're a great side. Lachlan Croker's is a good hooker, but he doesn't have that attacking upside. I mean, if they do find a way to get Finu back, um, I think that would just take them to a new level. I think people are sleeping on just how much of a fantastic hooker he is. So I like the Bullimore signing. I like the different shapes they've got in their front row. I, I think it'll really help them. Um, very surprised that Brisbane let Bullimore go to sign a guy like Ryan, Ryan James. I understand the experience side of things, but 
Um, yeah, letting Bullimore go is a very strange one. I, I said from the moment I saw him, he kind of reminds me of Matt Gillette. He's just got that fast leg speed. He's hard to handle. Uh, he's got a big motor on him as well. So uh, I really like this this signing by, by Manly. And um, yeah, I, w- once again, mate, I love their team on paper. I think it's unreal, but they still haven't proven that they can handle the top sides in this competition. So we'll just have to wait and see with them. Yeah, I can agree with that. Just going through some of their losses as well. They've always, Tavita Funa has signed with the Waratahs. Uh, and stay with me. I, I bet you I'm going to pronounce this wrong. Jack Gozzi-Weski, uh, he's been released um, by the he's actually, uh He's reportedly about to go to the St. George Illawarra Dragons to Jack Goz. Oh, there you go. Um, so reportedly he's set to go through the Dragons. Uh, Curtis Sirinan said to go to St. Helens. Uh, and then Moses Suli also going to the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Just talking about the Dragons for a minute, they've done some really great things in recruiting in the past 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, they, they've done all right. I, I I don't think anyone they've signed is a huge needle mover, to be honest with you. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I was talking to Kempi about this the other day, and it's sort of like a a money ball sort of play. They're just getting sort of value out of guys here and there. They're, they're, they're all... Good signings, but to me, none of them are great signings. Um, you look at all the teams that were competing for a premiership at the end of this year, they all had one thing in common. They had top 10, top eight superstars in their sides. And George, they don't have that. And I, I know it's you know it's, it's easier said than done. It's hard to get these top line superstars. But uh, I, I'm, yeah, I'm not expecting a heap out of St. George, to be honest with you. I think they'll be more of the same realistically. Yeah, true. I can definitely see that. But uh, I think if anyone's going to have a great season and if anyone's going to prove that they are a great recruit for the Dragons, I reckon it's Moses Suli. Now, we didn't see much of him this season. Um, and he has been uh, named as a defensive liability. But just an attack, he's been fantastic when he has come in for the, the Manly Seagulls. And I think if anyone's going to be the best recruit for the St. George Laura Dragons, it's going to be Suli for sure for me. Yeah, look, mate, Sully's got high-end ability, um, but the problem with Sully's always been, as you said, he has got defensive issues and he has trouble putting back-to-back weeks of rugby league together. Um, yeah, when he came in for the Manly Seagulls, he came in a side that was beaten up, bottom-place teams every week. He came in and did really well, but it's that it's the week-to-week grind that Moses Sully's always struggled with. I'll be interested to see how he goes at the Dragons. That'll be He'll be a starting centre there. That'll be week-to-week grind of the NRL in a team that, probably isn't going to be doing anywhere near as well um, as the Manly Seagulls were when he came in this year. He's a guy that, I mean, geez, from, from off the top of my head, I think he's been at four clubs in the last five years, Moses Suli. So uh, that doesn't accidentally happen in rugby league. So a really interesting one uh, to watch. He has got that ability that, that you speak of, but um, i got to tell you, I'm not overly convinced that the Dragons are the team to get the best out of him. Yeah, fair enough, I guess. But uh, look, he's definitely going to be one to watch for that 2022 season, in my opinion. Uh, just looking at the players that the Manly Seagulls have re-signed, linking it back to the Manly Seagulls, they've pretty much re-signed most of their team. They've re-signed Boyle, Morgan Boyle until 2022, Lachlan Croker until 2023, which is a great signing for them because he's such a fantastic hooker. Uh, Kieran Four until 2022, Ruben Garrick, until 2023, Morgan Harper till 2023, Sean Kepi till 2024, 
Hamole Olakawatu till 2024, Brad Parker 2023, Josh Schuster 2024, uh, Toa Fofa, Fofa Sipley, sorry if I pronounced that wrong, 2023, and George Tafua 2022. Now, the interesting ones here for me would be George Tafua getting signed for a one-year deal when this year he wasn't playing really that much first grade. Um, and then also Kieran Foran, why, I, 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 if I were the Bandy Seagulls, I'd be signing him on a bit of a bigger deal. Uh, yeah, no, I, I understand them signing to four. I understand he didn't play much this year, but uh, their two wingers were playing great footy and neither of them really missed any football either. So there really wasn't an opportunity for George there though. But if you can get George on a good deal and he's, you know, a depth outside back to have, like, good God, you could do so much worse than to have him in your system. I know he's also a very, very popular guy. He's one of those locker room guys over there, especially the Polynesian boys absolutely love George. So I understand that one. And Foran, um, yeah, you could sign him on a bigger deal. I mean, how old's Kieran Foran now? Are we talking 20, 20, uh, sorry, 31, 32? I'm, I'm just looking it up now. I mean, I, I, I would probably go year for year with Kieran Foran, realistically. Um, I'm a fan of him. But, I mean, yeah, he put together last season without an injury, which was great, but it's his first one in X amount of years. So signing him to a long-term deal. He, he, so he's he turns 32 next year. So, I mean, if you were to sign him for more than one, yeah, you know, if you were to sign him for three, all of a sudden he's 34, 35 when he's finished. So, I understand this, especially when they've got a guy like, like Josh Schuster. I think he'll be the sixth eventually. They've also got Cade Cust in the system too. So um, personally, this is probably what I would have done with Foran, to be honest with you. Yeah, totally. Oh, I can I can definitely understand that now. Um, I, lo- I do like the re-signing of Ruben Garrick. Now, if there's one signing that I really like out of this uh, Manly side, it is Ruben Garrick. The season he put together for the Manly Seagulls, it is just so underrated. Not only did he break those rec- records, but just watching those little stints, the little things that he does right for that team, he can be that X-factor winger, but he can also be um, that really fantastic um, winger. And he does all the little things right uh, for this Manly side. Yeah, he, he's a solid player, Ruben Garrick. Uh, I'd like to know how much they've signed him for, to be honest with you. The, 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 the thing about Manly that... I think makes them struggle against these top teams is, yeah, you've got Ruben Garrick, you've got, um, who's the other winger? Saab. You, you've got these two guys that are great finishers. They're both quick. They've got a great skill set, but it's when they're coming out of their own end that they struggle because they're big, tall bodies. You can get under them. You can push them back. Um, whereas, you know, you compare them to a Brian Toto, for example, like he's given away a bit of height, but he, he always pushes for another four or five post-contact meters coming out of his own end. That's where I think, when Manly come up against these top teams, they have a plan in place where if you put the ball high enough and you get your wingers to catch it standing still, you can bury them, you can umbrella your defense, and there's there's not a guy coming out of the end that's going to really worry you outside of Turbo. But if you you know if you put Turbo in to have 10 hit-ups coming off his own 10-meter line, you're going to take a lot out of their game. That's my only worry with those two wingers. We mentioned George Tafua before. He's more of that guy that's more dangerous coming out of his own end. He generates more meters. Um, it's obviously pros and cons. It's attacking. It's an attacking style of rugby league at the moment. But, it's, but when you come up against those top teams, that's the weakness that I sort of see with Manly, that if you can bury them in their own end, they really struggle to come out of their own end because they've got these big upright lanky bodies that when, when you get gang tackles on them, which is what happens coming out of your own end, um, you can push them back quite often. And it just makes it hard to get on the front foot. 
Yeah, no, totally agree there. Another signing, and I want to get your thoughts on this because this guy has been rated by guys like Matthew Johns uh, and plenty of other guys as well. And he's just been fantastic for the Manly Seagulls, off, whether it's off the bench or starting. It's Sean Kepi. Now, I do like this guy as a front rower. I reckon he's really solid for that Manly side, and I do see him starting next season. Yeah, I really like Sean Kepi. I remember watching him probably 18 months ago, and I actually didn't think he was that much chop. I, I think he's really improved this year. As soon as he's come into first grade, he's just improved week on week. Uh, he has played in the middle a little bit. He's played out on the edge too. When I first saw him in first grade, he was playing on the edge out on the left side. He looked really, really strong there. But with Schuster and Olakawatu, I think you shift him into the middle. Um, whether he starts or not, I'm, I'm not sure. But I, I think with this manly side, as I said, they've got so many different shapes in their forward pack that I don't think you have week-to-week starters. You can sort of rotate them as the season goes. So at some point, I would have Kepi starting, but I wouldn't have him as a starting front rower every single week. But I probably wouldn't have any of these guys as starting front rowers every week. I'd sort of rotate them. That, that, that's the beauty of this manly side that through their forward pack and their front row, they've just got so much depth and so many guys that are hard to handle. They can all offload. They, they've all got some... Um, uh, some subtle footwork at the line as well. So, Kepi, I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, I, I think he's in for a really good couple of years there. Yeah, and look, just to sum up this manly side, um, while all of these guys are really, really talented footballers, the, the, the how far this manly side goes just depends on the injury run of Tom Trevojevic, in my opinion. If Tom Trevojevic is sweet, then the further this manly size, side goes for me, the next side on this list, I've got the Sydney Roosters. Now, God, I've given them a B here, but you could definitely give them an A just for the season that they've had. Um, obviously, with more than 50% of their squad injured, suspended, they've, Tedesco's really taken a hold of this side. And I, and I think I, I do um, also um, give, want to give credit to Trent Robinson as well. Both uh, Robinson and Tedesco have really taken this side um and Tedesco with his um look with his no excuses mentality they've both taken this side and they've taken them to the top eight which is probably not what any of us would have predicted for the Sydney Roosters in this season yeah not what we would have predicted I mean that list I'm, I'm sure you'll read it out in a second but any team where you're missing Cordner friend and the two Morris brothers, um, you know, they're obviously missing Luke Keary from that as well. Uh, Lindsay Collins was another one they had out who I just thought his season was, uh, his season last year was incredible. He was, uh, he, he was one of the main reasons why Queensland won that origin series for me. It was the emergence of another middle like him that I, when, when I looked at the Queensland Maroons before the series started, he didn't stand out as a me to, to me as a guy that was going to have impact, but he really did. He was sensational. Um, yeah, full credit to uh, Trent Robinson, mate. He's shown once again why he is one of, if not the premier coach in our game. It's all good and well to take a uh, a team full of superstars and do well with them, um, but to show that you know he, he can take a group of you know a heap of reserve graders, a spine lacking a heap of experience outside James Tedesco. I mean, um, the 5'8", what's his name? No, name escapes me. Um, uh, Lachlan Lamb, are you talking about? Maybe uh, not, not Lamb, the other one. Um, he, play, he played 5'8 for the vast oh, – I can't remember his name. Drew the, Hutchinson. The, Drew Hutchinson, that's his name. Drew Hutchinson, he's a guy that 
you know, he's been at the Dragons for the last couple of years. And, mate, I, I, 18 months ago, if you would have said to me, is Drew Hutchinson still going to be playing rugby league in 18 months? I would have said maybe in England at best um, mm. for him to be the 5 eight for the Chooks. I mean, he's going to give Trent Robinson some, some, some serious headaches heading into next season, whether he starts with Sam Walker or not, because Drew Hutchinson was sensational. Left foot kicking game is just so dangerous. you got Sam Walker, who's young. I mean, it might not be a bad thing for Sam Walker to play some reserve grade football and sort of earn that jersey back. We know that we know that Trent Robinson, he's you know he he does this sort of stuff. He's done it with Latrell. He's done it for a few other guys. So very interesting. Um, the depth they've gained this year is going to be sensational for them next season. Um, yeah, sometimes a season like this can be a little blessing in disguise because you. You know, you 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 raise the water level and it raises all the boats that that, that are in that water, especially these young guys that they haven't had a heap of experience. Um, so yeah, I, I think this year will be a big advantage for the Chooks heading into next year, and I think Trent Robinson he'll be uh, low key very excited about it. Yeah, and if I was Trent Robinson, so would I, to be honest. And the best thing about this Roosters squad is now all the young blokes are blooded as well. All the rookies are blooded in this side. They've all had a taste of first grade. And now if you need someone to fill in, they've all had a taste of first grade and they're just going to be firing. Uh, and it's really not going to be a big loss depending on who's out um, because they've obviously got those guys like Egan Butcher. I'm um, uh, just trying to think of some more rookies off my head that uh, Norfolk White, or I think that's his name. He's been fantastic as well. They've blooded all those young forwards, which have really been a huge up for the Sydney Roosters. It's a bit of a blessing and a curse too, because now other clubs have seen those young guys play and they could try and pinch them. But the blessing part is they've all blooded and if they get caught up to first grade, no dramas. Yeah, and the other one, they've, like everyone's talking about Connor Watson. I reckon this other fellow they've signed, Atoni, he's been at Canterbury for a couple of years. He's a very underrated player. The Bulldogs have utilized him terribly um, over the last few seasons. So I think he'll step straight in. I think he'll do a really good job. I don't think he'll be a starting player. I think he'll come off their bench. But... We, we, we won't be talking about him in the same breath as like an Isaiah Papali, but I reckon at the end of next season, he will low-key be one of the really good signings. And I won't be shocked in the slightest if in two or three years' time, a Tony signs a five or 600K deal with the Gold Coast Titans, the West Tigers, one of those teams that tends to grab these guys from the Roosters uh, once their stay's over. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely excited to see the rise of Renoff Tony. Um, and there's been a lot of talk about him as well and how good he's going to be. So it is really going to be, you know what, it's going to be a contest of who wants that bench spot or who wants that starting forward spot more because now they're all blooded. Trent Robinson is really going to have a headache of who he's going to pick starting and who he's going to pick in the bench. I'll read out to you the losses. We've gone through the games, obviously, are Tony and Watson, but the losses, they've got Dale Copley, who's going to retire, uh, Boyd Corner, who's retired, Friend retired, Isaac Liu going to the Gold Coast Titans, and then Bmoz and Jmoz both retiring. Uh, now, while those are some big losses, that as I said, they've blooded some new rookies that are going to come into this side and hopefully do the job. Yeah, for sure, mate. And it's uh, it is really positive signs for the Sydney Roosters. I, yeah, I'm sort of going to essentially repeat myself answering that question, but. Um, there's a lot of young guys that have been blooded, as you said. Uh, they're definitely heading in the right direction. Getting Luke Keery back is just going to be massive. I think people forget that, you know, this guy, he's a he's a three-time premiership winner. He's a Clive Churchill medalist. He is 
one of the best ball players in our game, one of the best organizers in our game. He's a true all-rounder as far as a ball player goes. So, um, yeah, mate, I can't give Trent Robinson enough compliments for what he did this year and uh, really excited for them next year. I imagine as a South fan yourself, it must be uh, a little bit nerve-wracking watching the Roosters come in. It's scary. Yep. I'll tell you that for free. I am not looking forward to it one bit, and it is going to be scary to see where they eventually do end up playing all these guys. And the interesting one for me is Connor Watson. Where would you see him playing uh, in 2022? Uh, I assumed he was um, he was going to be the 14, uh, but mate, from what I will from from talking to Denon Kemp the other day, he reckons that Cameron Smith told him that. Um, Watson has been offered the full-time nine jersey there, and that's why he signed there. So um, I love Connor Watson. He's a really good footballer, no doubts about that whatsoever. But Connor Watson throws passes like he's throwing watermelons out of a truck. So he's got he's got a lot of improving to do this season as far as that goes because it's just so crucial in the modern game. It's crucial when you're playing Oztag. You know, you need, you need to get swift balls out of dummy half. You need them on the front foot. Uh, so big test for Connor Watson, but mate, he, he's a natural footballer. He's got all the talent in the world. And if they can turn him into an established nine, uh, it could be anything. Worst case scenario, he plays 14. And would anyone be shocked if he's the best 14 in, in rugby league next year? No, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Not at all. And just just before we go on to the next and final team, I'll just read out who the Roosters have re-signed. Um, so Fletcher Baker... For 2023, Egan Butcher, 2023, Nat Butcher, 2024, Lindsay Collins, 2026, uh, Angus Crichton, 2022, Drew Hutchinson, 2023, Billy Smith, 2023, sorry, um, Daniel Tupo, 2023, Satili Tupanua, 2024, Sam Virils, 2024, Sam Walker, 2023, and Nawofu White for 2024. So those are some big signings there. Uh, for the Sydney Roosters, and honestly, I cannot wait for Sydney. Uh, as a footy fan, I can't wait for Roosters twenty twenty two. As a South fan, I am scared shitless. Um, we'll go for one more team here, and this is a team that we could definitely have a huge discussion on: um, the Parramatta Eels. The Parramatta Eels this season. It was just um, a bit stressful to watch. Actually, um, the start of their season was pretty decent. Coming to the back end of the season, we just did not know what was going on. Um, and then they beat a team like the Melbourne Storm and suddenly they're back in this great form. So it was just really confusing for the Parramatta Eels for me. Yeah, uh, you, you've given them a C-. minus. I'd probably give them a B, to be honest with you. Uh, this team was doing incredibly well. Their spine was playing some great footy. Um, they got to the back end of the season and they had just the run from hell. They had to play, you know, the, the four top eight, the four top four teams, some of them had to play them twice in the last six weeks. So I, I think in the last six or seven weeks, they had to play two teams that weren't in the top eight. So it was the run from hell for Parramatta. I think I, I didn't think they'd win any of them. I think they managed to beat the two bottom eight teams and then they knocked over Melbourne and they played Penrith in the last week, which uh, from, from memory, they, they rested all their players. But they, they won a few more games in that run home than I expected. You've got to remember as well that they lost Reed Marnie. Um, I mean, as I said before, when we were talking about, um, you know, losing key players, he, he was their best player for the first half of the year. So to lose him, um, that was a real stinger for that side. And it took a lot of their momentum out. I mean, even, 
even to the untrained eye, you could see in their final game that having Raystone at hooker, it wasn't ideal. If they had a like a proper Premier 9 like Reid Marnie there, I think it potentially could have been a different story. I thought the fight they put up against um, the Penrith Panthers in their final game was great. I mean, I, I, I thought that that intercept by Stephen Crichton probably won that game for Penrith. I thought Parramatta went as close as they possibly could to winning that game of football. And, you know, on top of that, you then look at the next two weeks after that. I mean, that Penrith Panther side, that wasn't that wasn't a fluky performance. Like, they, they went on to do it for two more weeks on the trot in prelim final and grand final. So, I know everyone likes to bag Parramatta. And personally, I, I didn't think that I was ever going to say this, especially at the end of this year. But I'm more confident now than I think I have been in Parramatta for a long time that they potentially can take that next step. I thought Mitch Moses was sensational this year. He played some great footy. Dylan Brown wasn't at his best, but he's a young guy. He's still finding his way. I think people forget how young and inexperienced Dylan Brown is. As I said, you get Reid Marnie back. Um, I think Brad Arthur, I think he just needs to keep it simple with his forward pack. There was a lot of screwing around at the end of the year, moving Isaiah Papali around, moving Ryan Madison around, sort of shifting those guys all over the place. I think that you just stick with what makes sense. You have Matto on one side, you have Papali on the other side. That's when they played uh, their, their best footy. So, yeah, mate, halfway through the year, I thought Parramatta, they need to blow up their systems and start again because nothing is going to change. But I really do think that they played some better and some – for the first time, I thought, fuck, they're actually playing finals footy here. Like, they're playing at a final standard. They're not just showing up and participating in finals. Um, so, yeah, mate, I, I really like – the direction that Parramatta's heading at the moment. I mean, if they would have beaten Penrith um, and then they took on the Melbourne Storm the week after, I mean, seeing how the Melbourne Storm performed and how Parramatta, like Parramatta played better against Penrith than what the Melbourne Storm played against Penrith. Um, and Parramatta had already already beaten them twice during the regular season. So I think they are heading in the right direction, to be honest with you. Yeah, I can sort of see that argument. I, I think that Parramatta need to have one of the biggest off-seasons that they've had in a while as well uh, and just get prepared, really. Just get prepared for the season that is to come. Um, just looking at some losses, they haven't got any gains as of yet, but some losses for the club, um, the Parramatta Eels. they got Blake Ferguson obviously being released and his future is up in, up in the air. Just We don't know where he's going to go. A young rookie called Samuel Hughes has been released. Uh, Joey Lussex has gone back to St. Helens. Uh, and Michael Oldfield has been released as well. And, geez, but Blake Ferguson, I mean, I probably wouldn't have been letting this guy go. But then again, um, blooding that guy like Hayes Dunster and seeing the things that Hayes Dunster has done, I think has been really beneficial for the club as well. And getting those young blokes in will be really good for them as well. Yeah, as much as they haven't signed anyone, I don't think they've lost anyone that's really going to hurt them, to be honest with you. I don't think Blake Ferguson's the same footballer he was a couple of years ago. Uh, for the money that you'd have to pay to keep Fergo there, I I probably wouldn't have. They've got enough youngsters to be able to cover him. You know, um, you, you mentioned uh, Hayes Dunster, who was great. Penasini's the one to watch for me. He, is, he looks like a real talent. Uh, when you go back and watch those tapes of um, Suwali, when in his schoolboy highlights, yeah, if, if you watch it again, you keep an eye on who's passing him the ball every time. It's uh, Will Penasini. He, he's a really handy little footballer. And uh, the number that he did on uh, Bradman Best in that uh, semifinal this year, I thought that was incredible. For a guy that's only played a handful of games uh, to do what he's doing, very, very impressive, Penasini. So I, I like the direction Parramatta's heading, to be honest with you, mate. Um, considering 
Dylan Brown didn't play anywhere near his best footy. If they can get him back to where he was the year before last, uh, mate, that that team they 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 they're going to give it a real crack, I think. Yeah, totally. But this is the thing, right? Um, they've obviously got Opachat coming back um, from injury as well. Um, he's also been re-signed for another year. Um, would you play Panasini in the centres and move either Opacek or Wonga Blake to the wing, or would you move Panasini to the wing? Uh, without thinking about how their whole team structure would be, I'd probably start with um, Opacek, to be honest with you, a little bit more experience, a, a, a little bit more stable. Uh, I'd probably still, you know, ease Panasini into first grade. Yes, he came in last year and played well, uh, but the second year is always harder than the first year. The first year is exciting. It's a thrill to be there. The second year is that proper week-to-week grind with more expectations on you now. So it will be harder in their second year. I think having a guy like Opachik, I think people forget just how well Opachik played all season. He then had the tragic event of his brother passing away. There was a lot going on in his life at the back end of that season. And, And these young kids were able to come in and do a really good job, but I, I think Opacic did enough all season to be able to hold on to that spot. He's uh, defensively, he was fantastic. He doesn't have the high end attacking upside that some of these young guys do, but he's just not going to let you down. So I'd be starting with him. Uh, and then I think by the end of the season, you'll see Panasini come in at center or potentially on the wing, uh, depending on how it plays out. But I, I'd probably have Hayes Dunster starting on one wing. Um, then what you'd have Siva on the other side, Wonga Blake in the centers. And then, yeah, I'd probably have opportunity in the centers with him as well yeah well, well there you go um i mean it is just going to be such a uh, well, i don't know i don't think i can really predict how Parramatta are going to go next season is it is just all how they really deal with this off season uh just some players that they have re-signed as well i'll go through this really quickly bryce cartwright 2023 hayes dunster 2022 keegan hibgrade 2022 ryan madison 2022 mitch moses 2024 Opacek, 2022, Will Panasini, 2023, Micah Sebo, 2023, Ray Stone, 2022. So mostly short-term deals, um, but still good to re-sign these young blokes, I reckon. Oh, for sure. There's a heap of talent there, and I, I think that's going to be the, the way to do it moving forward. They are um, shorter deals, and essentially what this means is that, you know, these guys, they're playing for a contract next year now. It's actually really good timing, in my opinion. You get a young guy like Hayes Dunster to get Matto, Opachik, these guys, Ray Stone, that you know they're, they're going out every every week next week trying to prove either the Parramatta or another team that they deserve a contract next year in the NRL. So it's backs against the wall for a lot of these guys. Mitch Moses, the big one there, keeping him until 2024, that's that's huge for Parramatta. I know people will bag Moses and, and whatever, but he's a quality footballer and Fuck, if, if they didn't have Mitch Moses, I mean, there's not many halfbacks that are better than Mitch Moses. I know everyone wants to act like he's shit or whatever, but he's not. He's a quality footballer, and good halfbacks are really hard to get. Parramatta, they do have one. Is he the best one? No, but, I mean, he's probably the fourth or fifth best one realistically, which is when you, when you consider that there's 16 teams that need a halfback, soon there's going to be 17 teams that need a halfback to have the fourth or fifth one. Um, I mean, you could do much worse. Well, I just can't believe that he was bagged after Origin after playing with a broken back. Like, that is crazy. And he played pretty pretty good for a guy with a broken back, in my opinion. Another guy I want to talk about here as well, um, uh, and look, tell me if I'm wrong, but this is just my thoughts. I thought Dylan Brown actually had a really good season. and I think he, his defense really stood out for me. 
Yeah, mate, he's always been a really solid defensive player, and the, especially the scramble defense that he has has always been great uh, from Dylan Brown. But you probably do need more attacking upside, especially when you have got a guy like Mitch Moses who's playing the way that he's playing. He's freeing up opportunities for Dylan Brown. So yeah, he had a good, a good season. I wouldn't say he had a great season, though, uh, but that's the reality of young footballers. As, as I said, the second and third year are always harder than the first year. I mean, we all thought that Dylan Brown was – you know, the next big, big thing, which I still think he is, to be honest with you. But when you come into that second and third year, you got the week-to-week grind, the week-to-week pressure of first grade. It's harder to do than that first season. So, oh, I think they're heading in the right direction, Parramatta, mate. I'm looking forward to seeing them next season and looking forward to seeing them play finals footy next year. Yeah, totally. And I, I'm, and look, as I said before, um, it is just going to have to be a big off-season for them. And, and really, it is a competition of who wants the jersey more, um, who wants that starting jersey more uh, realistically? Uh, and as you said, who wants the contract with, with Parramatta or another club in seasons to come? Well, that is your um, little preview into next season, guys. I really hope you enjoyed that one. We did the best teams in the top eight. Thanks, thanks, Guru, for hopping on. Really appreciate it. No, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me. I'll, uh, I'll make sure I share it on my platform and everything and uh, keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're doing a good job. Cheers. Thanks, Nath. Well, that is it for the Season 22 preview. I'll do another podcast for all the sides that me and the Guru missed, and I'll do that just me. But I hope you guys really enjoyed this one. Thank you for choosing Big Lezzers League and all Rugby League experience. If you don't follow the Guru yet, go chuck him a follow, the Rugby League Guru. He is on Instagram. Great page, and I really enjoyed this chat. Make sure that you recommend this podcast to a friend and I'll see you guys in the next one.